Hi everyone! Left to our own devices, the conference may be over, but you can still watch the recording at cybellum.com conference. Tune in to listen to FDA updates from FDA executives themselves, learn about AI in automotive from NVIDIA, the AI leader, and listen to product security leaders from Philips, Honeywell, CISA, and more. Go to cybellum.com conference and watch the recording for free. See you at the next event! You're listening to Left to Our Own Devices, the podcast dedicated to everything product security. This is part two of our chat with Chris Gates, Director of Product Security at Valentium. So as you mentioned, uh, dealing with, with cybersecurity 24-7, especially when you're talking about uh, these life-critical devices, I imagine it can be very stressful so I'm curious, what are the things that help you stay optimistic and, and keep on pushing to improve the practice anyway? Well, I'm kind of an upbeat guy, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> Let's start with that, okay? <laughs> but my passion, even as an engineer, is to change industries. And I've done this in a number of industries, and I love doing that, okay? I love to make a difference. I love to be relevant. So you couple that together and say, can I do this good? I'm not just taking a paycheck home. I'm actually helping so that that last day of my life, when I'm on the bed, I can lay in there. I can go, eh, I advanced the bar a little bit, okay? Moved it a little bit along in a good direction. That's the kind of thing that I can always look back on and take comfort from, even with all the things that are wrong. Even when you see these things that seem insurmountable, you have to be patient, sit there and go, we'll make these right. I also work with a lot of really smart, talented, motivated people. Uh, and that is always nice. I mean, if you're dealing with a lot of people who are just drudging through their day and interested in doing the least amount of work possible, that just drags you down. But I'm not. I work with some great people, both in Valentium and externally in these working groups and in standards bodies. And it's hard not for that to be infectious. So we kind of build each other up and keep each other going, that we know we're on the right path. We're on the path of angels. We're doing things that should be done. We're fighting the good fight. Okay? It can be tough. It can be tough. I've got a friend right now who I was talking to yesterday who's kind of down in the dumps and depressed. And he was talking about, I don't even know if I want to do cybersecurity anymore. I just feel like I'm not making a difference. And it's like, no, don't look at it that way. We're all working together. We're all pulling this cart along. We need all of you, including you. So, yeah, it's, it's, you can't help but be positive. We're, we're going to make a difference. We are making a difference. We can look back and see this. I mean, S-bombs is a great example. Uh, the great and wonderful Alan Friedman, uh, ex-NTIA, uh, now at CISA, uh, he looked at this, uh, well, it's four years ago now, and I was working with Alan on another working group for how do you update firmware in the field. And so when he rolled over to this, he says, you know, we're thinking about making these you know, ingredients lists and software transparency that these machine-readable S-bombs are. So, you know, that sounds like a great idea because we have no idea right now what's in these things. And if we had these, including the top level and all the lower levels that we're importing, what are called transitive dependencies. So here in December, Log4j. I'm going to take a turn again. Uh, Log4j came out uh, and there was an issue with it. Log4j, if you're a Java developer and you say, gee, I need to enable logging in my application, you, what do you do? You have to go to oh, here, log4j, go out, pull it in, free open source. Well, when you bring that in, 
you are also bringing in 294 other projects. So as a developer, you don't think that way. I got Log4j. No, you got 294 other opportunities for things to go wrong. Transitive dependencies. So many layers deep. What all did you bring in? You don't really know. You don't know what you don't know. So some of the beautiful part about these machine-readable S-bombs is things that are humanly not really practically doable, like look at all 294, can easily be done with tools. You use these tools to walk through the tree of the transitive dependencies and look for vulnerabilities that are known there. And you keep doing that. That gives you a lot of insight into what your products are and what you have. You know, are really useful. It also saves you money, by the way. You, as a manufacturer, you know, there may be the new Bluetooth low energy vulnerability that comes out. And you go, well, we have 40 products that use that. Are any of those vulnerable? That means you've got engineering staff for the next six months trying to figure out what stack they used, what version. Is it that the one that's affected? But if you have S-bombs and you've done that back to all your legacy work and you do that as a low priority background job, not as a high panic job, then when these things occur, you instantly know. Literally within seconds, you can say, these products are affected. I need to do something about them. Yep. As you know, I think we discussed it once previously that um, that we coined the term uh, living S-bombs because not only do we believe in the S-bombs, we believe in the S-bombs throughout the development process, you know, from design exactly. to post-production. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. and, and there's there's been, I mean, we spent uh, three and a half, four years refining all the edge conditions and in, in in the NTIA working groups looking at it. And now what's literally happened here as there's been a pause as we transition to CISA, we see commercial companies now coming in like you guys who are now taking this ball and running with it and doing great stuff. And it's like some of this stuff means some of the things we looked at, we no longer even have to think about. These are no longer edge conditions. Now we're getting to some of the more esoteric stuff in these working groups because you guys are solving the problems through commercialization of certain products that really make it great. So yeah, it's like uh, also one of the other things that makes me see feel that the Overall industry is changing for the better. Used to be all of my clients came to me and said, oh, we just submitted this to the FDA. They kicked it back. We've got two dozen cybersecurity questions. We can't even spell cybersecurity. Help us to get this pre-market approved. Literally, that was it. That was the role. And then here, about a year and a half ago, we started to see companies come to us that said, we have to do this right. We need you to show us what the governance program should look like, define the roles and responsibilities, the policies, procedures, the work instructions that make that up, how we measure that with metrics, how we grow with that as we go forward in the future. And now I have about half a dozen of them currently right now that are those kind. And I see more and more of them coming. The the executive order from President Biden helped a lot but it made it real for a lot of people. But I see that as maturity in this field. I see that yeah. as a, we're not fighting the firefight, we're putting in fire suppression systems now, okay? Now, now it's a much more comprehensive way to do it and it can be managed and worked through. And I love that. And I, I think that's great. And I, maybe I can take credit for you know, one or 2% of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. And I agree with you. I think, I think definitely the market, you know, the, uh, the market is evolving. I think people are, I think it's becoming also one that the medical device manufacturers and the people who work within, they're realizing that it's not just a practice that needs to be uh, for complying with regulations, but 
let's put aside for a minute the um, altruistic reasoning of, of safeguarding your, your devices, but you also have brand damage that you don't want to see. You also have revenue loss you don't want to see because of recalls, the time it takes to get the market, you know, getting the FDA and everything you said about you know, getting back your FDA applications with, you know, cyber, 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 mm -hmm. you know, they, they, but I think on the other side, I think they are beginning to realize, hey, they're in business to save lives and they want to, they, they want to safeguard their products. One of the first thing I do with a client is dissuade them that this is about safety and efficacy exclusively. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, my job here is to protect your business model. Absolutely. Can I easily expose your intellectual property? Can I do a physical attack, which will let me get access to your intellectual property? How many years did you spend doing this? A few years ago, I was at a Samsung VIP event. There was a show where they were showcasing partners of Samsung, and they were working with a group in Tel Aviv uh, that was developing, taking the Samsung watch, and they were extracting so many characteristics of the body in this thing. It was amazing. Um, it was really impressive. So I was walking over and talking to their, their head scientist on this, and he was talking about they had spent six years in a laboratory, how to derive all this from all these secondary signals. And I'm looking at it, and it's an STM32L, and I can see the JTAG, STM reports <laughs> that are on there. And I says, so uh, did you lock that up? And I said, he says, well, what do you mean? And I says, in five minutes, I can extract everything out of there, decompile it, and I can be looking at those algorithms that you spent years developing. That's right. possible? I said, yeah, yeah. You watch the blood drain out of his face. This is this is part of what you're protecting. Absolutely. Consum consumables. Uh, in the, it, this used to be a third world nation problem. If you had a consumable device, it has a certain lifespan to it. All right. Let's say a glucose sensor, just to pick one. Okay. You got three days on this thing. And then it's you can't use it. Well, in third world countries, they were re-enabling them and then putting them back in and selling them. Well, to that customer who gets this second generation re-enabled device, it still looks like the original manufacturer's name on it. He may not know it's been refurbished. He knows he got a good deal. Oh, I'm only paying half for this one or you know, a quarter or whatever. What is the negatives to this? How accurate is it? How is it? Well, it's definitely hurting the original manufacturers because it's undercutting him. He's not moving his products. But how is it potentially harming the patient? Right? These are all things that are out there that are capable of being done. Yes, safety and efficacy matter, but so does brand reputation, so does consumables, intellectual property, and literally how we view this is safety and efficacy matters as impact to our business model. Absolutely. We don't want to kill people. We got into this to be good guys, to help people, improve quality of life, but also we need to make money to stay around because if we're not there, our device isn't going to be there either. So we do have to stay in business and that's the way to look at it. Uh, if you look at all the regulations around, you know, EU, uh, the FDA, uh, Australia, Canada, China, they're all safety and efficacy oriented. And that's important, but it's not the only thing. Agreed 100%. So, so what kind of practical tips do you have for product security teams in 2022? Maybe tools you've looked at recently or methods that you think could help? Uh, well, uh, I mentioned it already once, uh, threat modeling. Do your threat modeling. Uh, bang for the buck, threat modeling is your best approach as a design engineer. There are, well, follow a secure development lifecycle. Duh, I've already kind of mentioned that. That's kind of a given. You need to do this during development. And once you reach the market, post-market surveillance, 
follow all this. I'm not going to reiterate this. If you don't know it by now, feel free to read Amy Tierra, 57 and 97. Look at the pre and post market guidance from the FDA. Don't look at the 2014 FDA pre. Look at the 2018. That has it's badly written, but it has what their expectations are. Start implementing that as your secure development lifecycle. But as an important part of that, do threat modeling at design time. This is going to expose to you design choices. There are different kinds of threat modeling. Unfortunately, most of these threat models are being done by people who don't have the knowledge. And by that, I mean, they've got a black box. You've got, here, I'll pull up my Bluetooth plushie again. Okay, you've got a thing there and you look at it and go, what's in this? Got no idea. What is this a risk to my organization? Got no idea. I'm going to put this in a threat model and I'm going to show what it connects to. And literally all you're doing at that point is trying to figure out ways to segment the land up so that if that turns out to be malicious, you're going to minimize the attack surface and the damage that can be done. That's threat modeling from a position of ignorance. We as developers, we know everything about that device. We know everything. What we don't know is the environment it's going to go in. So the guy who's got the environment, he knows that, but doesn't know what it is. We know what the device is. So during design, you map this thing out. You may show your back-end medical device data system. You may show smartphones in the middle, you know, med radio bridges, the medical device itself, or an implant, all right? You may go all the way down to flash memory inside of your device and uh, other active components in there. And you let that break down and go, where am I creating a design vulnerability? Where am I caching data? Maybe it's in that cell phone and it's not encrypted. It's being saved in plain text. Right? Plain text does not mean, oh, it's in base 64, nobody can read it. No, cryptographic primitives, okay? <laughs> that, that's all it means. There's no obfuscation of this. If it isn't encrypted, you're not protecting it. So things like that need to be done, okay? Um, threat modeling is really good. Create and distribute S-bombs. <clears throat> also use them in-house for your legacy products. This is a way to differentiate yourself in the marketplace now. You want to sell your ventilator there are HDOs who are coming to you and saying, where's your MDS squared and your SBOM? And if you go, hey, hang on, I'll make it for you here. We'll get it to you later this week. You're already off the candidate list. They're using it to gauge your level of cybersecurity maturity. All right? So if you say, oh, they're right here and they're distributed here, I'll give you access or they're freely available here. Now you're okay. Maybe you've got some more maturity. Maybe you're doing things the right way. So create and distribute these SBOMs. It not only differentiates in the marketplace, it allows you to look at your legacy products and know where your problems are. There are lots of good SBOM tools, both free and open source. They're a little rougher to work with, a little harder, but if you don't mind a little pain and suffering, hey, they're free, right? But the commercial stuff that's now coming on the market here that I've been seeing here, literally new tools every day, things like Heimdall from MedCrypt, uh, Rukovist that's from Jewitson, uh, that's the SBOM hub that's out there. Uh, Cybellum's PSA, okay. And let's not forget the latest version of Cyclone DX, version 1.4, now dot one, uh, with built-in VEX capabilities. Uh, really uh -huh. great, especially coupled into things like with uh, Archivist, the SBOM hub. Really gives you that capability. We were looking initially in the working group, so how does the device deliver the SBOM? More and more, we realized that's not the way to go. Let the SBOM exist outside the device, let the device self-identify, but then we're going to have things like hubs out there and archivist, and we're going to have these uh, machine-readable S-bombs out there. Uh, Cyclone DX is great because it has built-in capability to represent the, uh, the 
manufacturer. Well, what that means is your S-bomb says, oh, I'm using OpenSSL 1.1.f. That means you're susceptible to Heartbleed, okay? And anybody scans that and looks at it, but there's hundreds of meta symbols inside that source. Maybe the way you compiled it, that wasn't even compiled in. That's not even in the binary where you have that memory leak, okay? Maybe you're using it just to generate random numbers and it has nothing to do with certificates. So you as a manufacturer can say, yes, I'm using that. Yes, it has known vulnerabilities, but the way I've configured it, the way I'm using it, these are not applicable to my device, my product. And that's what VEX is. VEX comes through and allows you to speak as a manufacturer and say, yeah, we have that there. I mean, according to studies, some 80-some percent of all vulnerabilities, known vulnerabilities, aren't exploitable as implemented in a product. So you want to cut down those scariness, the false positives, by speaking. And maybe maybe as a manufacturer, your, your statement is, we don't know yet. We're still analyzing this. We're looking for root cause. But maybe we know you are affected. Maybe we know you aren't affected. But we can convey that in things like Cyclone DX with that. So great platforms out there. Great ways so you as an end user can rapidly triage this and understand to your risk appetite what you want to do. Do I need to find all these devices, unplug them? Do I need to feed them all into a wood chipper somewhere? You know, do I need a patch from the manufacturer? All this kind of stuff is, is coming into play. So lots of good tools out there. Uh, love it. Um, just think they're fantastic. I had a call, by the way, with uh, Steve Springett uh, last week. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and we were talking right. about Cyclone DX and, and how we, we actually uh, export into. So he was really excited about that into the format. RS bombs, we, we export to Steve's, his format. Steve's a great guy. Steve is, I mean, I do a lot of this kind of stuff and I know a lot about these things, but when Steve speaks, I shut up. Okay. He is the authority on this stuff. I mean, there is no better authority than Steve. Yeah, he's Mr. Cyclone DX. <laughs> oh, he is. He is. He really understands not just the implementation, the technical details, but all the use cases to it, all the applications, how this works, how it should work. Um, he's got a complete gestalt of that. that he does. <laughs> great guy. Great guy. He really does. Well, that's brilliant. So, Chris, to end this, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners? Anything at all? Sure. Um, medical device cybersecurity matters. Uh, hopefully you've heard some of this over the course of the last hour. Um, but let's say you're an engineer and you still have your doubts. Um, if you're an engineer, that means you're brighter than most, okay? You're interested in challenges. You're interested in being pushed back on, okay? There is nothing more challenging than getting into cybersecurity. It is fascinating. You're not dealing with an adversary who is physics or mother nature or however you care to put this. You're dealing with an adversary who is conscious, malicious, aware, and rapidly changing. You have to stay up to date. You have to keep informed. You have to keep involved. You have to read everything, even just to stay current. That alone is to stay on the cutting edge of this stuff. If you want the ultimate challenge, look to cybersecurity in your devices, just for your own sake and for your own personality. As David said earlier, cybersecurity isn't just a checkbox to be able to get your market, your device onto the market, okay? It is that, but it's much more than that, okay? Think about it this way. The patients on your device may be you or your loved ones. Years ago, my daughter had a son and he came out, he was preemie. The last part of a human fetus to form is your lungs close up, the two lobes of the lungs. That's the last part that, heal, that grows. 
he was a preemie, he came out and he wasn't absorbing oxygen. His nails were turning blue. And so they put him in, this was Children's Hospital Orange County in California. And they weren't telling the parents anything. They certainly weren't telling us, the grandparents, anything. Well, I've been around this industry too long to worry about things like being invited into a NICU, a neonatal, neonatal intensive care unit. I just walk into these places, <laughs> okay? I don't need permission. So I walk in, look through, find the isolate that has him. I'm looking around at all the equipment around him. And I look at it and go, look at the attending nurses saying, I go, he has pneumothorax? I mean, in other words, a hole in your lung. She goes, yeah, how do you know that? And I says, because I made that device, that device, that device. And I know what the settings mean, okay? She says, feel free to stay here. We'll talk to you. You communicate to the family. Tell them what's going on. Great. And it's like, fine. Um, he is now in studying nursing. He is 22 years old now. Uh, he's doing great. But the person you save may be somebody you love or yourself. Think about that when you develop something. That, that's an incredible, incredible story and an incredible way to end this uh, amazing conversation. It's been a pleasure. Chris, I want to thank you really so much for joining us today. Pleasure uh, to be here, David. You know, it, some people you talk to and you, you're not sure what's behind it. And with you, I, it's completely obvious that you are in it to help people. And I think everyone in the industry is benefiting from everything that you do. Thank Absolutely. you. Sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Left to Our Own Devices is brought to you by Cybellum. To learn more, visit cybellum.com. <laughs>